All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Wally and Mathot Show Live. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Can you get... Wally, I can't even hear Wally. All right. Matt, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Does it work? Can, you guys, can everybody, hey, can there everybody he hear me? There. Oh, yeah, we got okay. you. All right, Brent, we're good. Brent, say hello. Wally, figure it out, man. I... I'm the one that here all the time doing all the work, and then suddenly the audio doesn't work. Hey, ah, you, know, you know what? You're sweating. All right, let's get started, buddy. Well, I know this doesn't ever happen to me. I'm usually a professional of some sort. <laughs> okay. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wally Mathot Show Live. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot. As I said, doesn't like Connor Bedard, but we'll get to that in just a second. This show is always brought to you by SportsInteraction.com, Canada's online casino and sportsbook. Go to SportsInteraction.com slash Wally Mathot for the most competitive Live daily betting. Uh, check them out on Twitter uh, for every Sens game as Methstradamus breaks down the matchup and gets you set to place your bets. That includes today as the Sens are back in action after the All-Star break. They take on New Jersey. Uh, Meth, I just want to bring up the Connor Bedard play that we saw over the weekend. Uh, it was, to me, phenomenal, dazzling. The guy broke his ankles, and then he just flips it back in. You didn't like that play. Well, Okay. I love how this is completely unprompted. Like you haven't told me that you're going to call me out like this. Uh, I made a comment on Twitter, just replying to a question with regards to the dangle. And if it was more just the defenseman making a mistake and I, I yeah, it's a beautiful move. And Connor Bedard's doing it at a very high speed, but uh, and I got to be careful here. Cause I'm not going to tear into a junior <laughs> hockey player. I got, you know, that's, 
always a very dicey area. But no, I, you know what? That kind of stuff, it'll happen at all times when, you know, defensemen happen to not have good gap in the moment, or maybe they're a little flat-footed. For me, it's like, if you're playing defense, you got to try to match the speed a little bit better than that. At least get in the way. But like, for me, like the theatrical dive and falling backwards, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to touch this topic anymore. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, before we get to more hockey chatter, uh, it is Super Bowl week. And so that's the largest week of sports betting uh, in the entire yep. world, obviously, uh, for the year. Do you have a team to pick for the Super Bowl? Who is your Super Bowl favorite? I haven't watched any of the games, Wally. I've watched no games. All I know is that that one weekend was apparently very good football. Um, I'm going to go oh. with the Ottawa Red Blacks. <laughs> Okay, that's a, that's a pick. I don't like your chances. I wouldn't put money on it. I will say the <laughs> Wally and Mathot show, though, has a favorite, and we are selecting the Bengals because we want to be in the same category as Spartacat. We believe that that's how we're going to pick this one. Okay, so I can, get, I can get behind going, that. Uh, the Wally and Mathot show selecting the Bengals as our Super Bowl favorite. Uh, all right. Is Burrow? Now, is Joe Burrow weekend, on that team? Is, is that Joe Burrow? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I like, okay, he's got a little swag off the field. Have you, have you seen some of his picks walking into the arenas with, like, his big fur coats and stuff? Yeah. I can get behind that. So I'll be cheering on Joe Burrow and okay. the Cincinnati Bengals. We're on the same page. Yeah, he's, he's almost like Broadway Joe, Joe Namath back in the day. He's got that same I, kind yeah. of swagger. Same yeah. with the cigars. So, okay, yeah, fair enough. I agree. Yep. Um, all right. The All-Star Weekend. I'm sure you didn't watch this either because you I don't know what you do at home. But anyway, did nope. you see – the all-star challenge, which I would like to call the all-star challenged because it, again, I, I'm not a big fan of this particular foray into trying to put on the skills competition. Yeah. I, I feel like when I, when I was a kid, Wally, and I used to watch, cause I love, everyone knows I was a huge Ray Bork fan. And when I would see Ray Bork get yep. into the accuracy shooting, as an example, being a younger, you know, being a kid or even an early teen, uh, I, I had a really, big interest in the all-star games the skills competition to me was the most exciting thing um but i think with age you kind of can see through a bit of it and you can see that they're not necessarily trying all that hard and you know when you're watching the breakaways and stuff the goalies are kind of going through the motions which i understand mm. the same argument can be made for the pro bowl right you're not going to get all these guys going mock 10 out there it's you know it's it's the circumstances of an all-star weekend no one wants to get hurt i get it uh, but as far as this uh, this past weekend goes, I've heard mixed reports on it. I, I I tuned in a little bit. I wanted to see what it was all about and what it looked like. And you know, a lot of it's just novelty it, stuff, right? You're trying you're trying new things to create, you know. And it's like I, I'm not really all about that. I like I like the hardest shot. I, I don't mind the breakaways. I like the accuracy shooting. But you're all, they're always looking to spice it up, and I don't blame them There's for doing that, Wally. But for me, it was like whatever. Because the problem is they have three categories, fastest skater, and as you said, hardest shot and accuracy. Outside of that, nobody cares. I did like I their, 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 I, I like their attempt of being on the strip at uh, and being in the fountain at the Bellagio. I thought that was cool, but it yep. zero atmosphere, just no atmosphere whatsoever. So it's slow, That's the problem. it's drawn out, right? But I, yeah. so if they can figure that out, but that was, that had interest to you me know. just because it was kind of different. But it really, there's it just sucked the life out of it when there's no atmosphere or somebody's yeah. really struggling and there's just no way. It's just 
dead, right? And everybody's just, I just didn't like it. So yeah, and a lot of a lot of players. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. And and I think further, a lot of players don't necessarily want to be there either. I hate being negative right Right. now. I should be promoting it probably, but um, I can speak from just playing it. That's all. Yeah, and guys don't like. Why do you think they've had to implement a suspension (laughs) to make players go and attend these events? Right? Like, there's a reason for that because. All your teammates, so let's say you're an all-star, all your teammates are watching, you know, you go over there, and meanwhile, the all-stars are watching all their teammates typically during normal seasons without COVID, go down south, go on vacations. I know the Dallas Stars that follow a bunch of them, like John Klingberg and Radic Boxa, they were all posting pictures from Cancun. So if you're if you're an all-star and you're seeing, you know, you're there you are putting on a face, smiling, and you're playing in these kind of ridiculous games, meanwhile, your buddy's on a beach, it's like you know, what do you value more? Probably the break and the rest. Yeah. However, I will say the thought of being in Vegas with a bunch of high-end buddies of yours that can all just kind of yes. wheel around Vegas for a couple of nights. Can you, yeah. I, I want to say the amount of alcohol consumed was very <laughs> high. Well, we saw, was it uh, Pete DeBoer's, was it Pete DeBoer's comment about yeah. being basically, he basically yeah. admitted, I'm it's like, I'm hungover. I'm in a bit of a fog. I don't really know what I'm doing right now. So yeah. You know, I, exactly. I think, yeah, you make it, you make an argument there. I could imagine being like a young guy, if you're a young guy and you're heading over there and you can just get away with going out and having a good time. And you're probably going to wake up feeling pretty good. Typically the older guys feel it a little more when it comes to the hangovers. Um, I feel like there's, there's, there's an argument there, but yeah. for the most part, most of these guys, especially the ones that have been there before typically don't want to be there. Uh, last thing, the Trevor Zegras play or the breakaway challenge or whatever we want to call it. I thought yeah. it was phenomenal. I thought there was no question that this was exactly what that particular event needed. He brought everything that was yeah. asked of him. He was entertaining. He was engaging. It was creative. And then they hoop him over a stupid band. And they, I, I thought that was just dumb. So I know I shouldn't get worked <laughs> up over who won the skills, that particular skill competition. <laughs> but it just it, it made everybody annoyed at the end over something Trevor Zegers did that was completely phenomenal and got overshadowed by the stupid Alex Petrangelo decision. He didn't even hit yeah. the net. I know. Don't even look into that. Don't even because you know what? If like I barely paid attention to it, but if I were to like just based off of the social media posts and the fan interaction and, and engagement yeah. that the Zegers uh, breakaway got, you would think that he was the star of the show anyway, right? So the formalities right. aside. He owned it. You need more of that for sure. That skill set is insane, yeah. by the way. Like to do to oh do those God. moves under pressure. Never mind the blindfold, but just just the moves <laughs> that he's doing in games in the All Star competition. The skills like I it's insane yeah. and it's it's incredible for hockey because you're seeing all these kids now replicate it, right? Like the little move. No, forget about the the Michigan Wally, but I, I mean I know your son plays, but. You know, you're seeing a lot of the guys now flip, flip a lot of players, uh, boys and girls, actually flipping the puck over the back of the net and they're whacking it in. So it's good for hockey. Oh my God. I, I love the creativity. Yeah. Well, uh, did you see him during the interview where he just flips the puck up? No. So I missed that. Just, oh, just before that play, he one handedly ends up just scooping the puck up and twirling. Like it's his hand stuff is ridiculous it's his effortless skill set is it's effortless and it reminds yeah. me a lot of yeah. if people get a chance uh go online and, and and look up robbie shrimp rob shrimp was a teammate of mine in london won the memorial cup together and he obviously played a few games in the nhl played a lot overseas 
Same as Zegris. If anything, I feel like Shrempy might have an edge. Go watch him play in some of the lacrosse moves he does in the shootouts, like for the uh, American That's League cool. All-Star Games. It's insane. Anyway, I'm recommending that. Robbie Shremp. Uh, by the way, the chat is open. Uh, we encourage you to oh, right. ask questions, fill away. Uh, even we've got meth on it. Well, I should. We we're trying. We'll see. Baby steps here. Um, yeah, I, I think it was hot lunch. It just brought it up, uh, and I forgot all about it. There's actually offside challenges in the All Star game. It just blows my mind. What? Can we? Can we just? <laughs> yeah. Can we just take out the offside challenges? I didn't know that. Just one. Yeah. You get one no. so the refs get into Wally. it. But other than that, let's go. I'll I'll go one further. Just get rid of offsides. Period. Make it like a yeah. Make it like an outdoor rink style three on three, where there are basically no rules other than like your basic infractions from like tripping yeah, calls and stuff like that. But like, open it up. But no one's going to do any tripping anyway. So really, what? Just let it play. Just let them play I know. like it's an. Let them play. I agree. And they're not yeah. hitting. They're not doing it, any of those things. So no. yeah, I got you there. Yeah. I mean, even Tom Wilson right. didn't even hit anybody. So that'll tell you what happened. <laughs> um, That's fair. All right. Uh, it's the middle of the afternoon. Support yourself a farmer's legion lager or uh, maybe a blood moon. Um, don't know which one to choose. Grab a sampler pack and mix and match. Visit shopwhitewater.ca and use the Wham Show coupon, right? It has now changed. It used to be a different one. It's now Wham Show. Uh, get 15% off your order. Uh, same great beer. Just a new coupon code. Uh, Whitewater beer brewed by friends for friends okay we're moving on uh before we get to uh season in review jacob bernard docker on thursday meth and you can relate to this uh gets hit in the mouth with, well not necessarily this particular play gets a baseball swing to the mouth loses a chiclet he says there's about six others that are loose i can't Ugh. imagine the pain that he's in and i know you had suffered a broken jaw uh from a puck if i'm not mistaken and i like can yeah. you tell me the discomfort that has to go with that. I mean, it makes my yeah, teeth hurt. Well, the broke, the broken jaw, it just like, so I, I, I've got a huge scar that runs down the side of my face, but luckily the, the surgeon, the, he was a plastic surgeon in, in Columbus, ran the scar down my jawline. So you don't really see it unless I kind of pull, pull it back. But um, that wasn't the worst thing. I mean, that was pretty bad. But when we're talking about teeth, I was skating one summer in Ottawa. That's where I lost my front tooth. But of course, when you lose a tooth, you're not just the puck isn't just making contact with the one tooth. It does complete. <laughs> it completely destroys your whole mouth, right? So yeah. I was skating in the summer with the boys, all the Sens guys and players from other teams like Claude Giroux and other NHL players that get together in the summer skates. And we were at the Sensplex in Canada, and I was doing a, a two-on-one drill, it was a flow drill. But there are still pucks. You know, there's no coaches on the ice, so there's random pucks everywhere, and. Um, uh, was it Frost? What was it? Beauchemin? It was an, he's an American League guy that was playing over in Europe. Very good player. Tried making a, a pass, like a cross. Instead of that puck making it across, it went off another puck, an, an errant puck that was just sitting there and caught me right in the face. Now, I had a post on my lower teeth that, that completely flew out. That was from my braces when I was a kid, of course. And then I, there's, there's, you can, it feels like you're chewing, like, how do I describe this? You get a pool of blood immediately in your mouth. And then there's like this kind of chip tooth feeling in your mouth that I spit it all out right there on the ice. And of course, <laughs> there's no one there to take care of you. My teeth is a bloody disaster. All my lowers are all screwed up and loose, all of them. And my couple front teeth were loose. We thought we were going to, I thought I was going to lose both front teeth. 
I lost a little bit of the other one. So my, my mouth was toast, right? So what do you do? This is how pampered we are at the NHL level, right? Because during the, during the season, all the coaches are at the rink. But in the summer, luckily, my mom was still a nurse at the time at the Ottawa Civic Hospital. She was, God bless her. She, was, she worked there for 38 years in emergency. I had to call my mom to get me, just to kind of speed me up a little bit at the Civic Hospital, just to sew me up because I had a huge cut all the way down my lip to my chin. <laughs> So I drive my ass there. Like, you know, it's the worst experience in your life, obviously. The nerves are all exposed. I'm driving to the hospital. I finally get seen. They fix me up. Then I got to drive that same day to the dentist where all the work begins. Another friggin' nightmare. So if there's anything I could say to anybody out there, be careful when you're on the ice. Try to cover up as much as your face as you can, even if it means wearing a fishbowl, because the pain and the, and the long-term discomfort that comes from it is not worth it. So that is my uh, missing tooth story. <laughs> I'm so sorry, uh, everybody who's eating lunch right now. Um, it's all good. That is, by the mm -hmm. way, did you appreciate my headline for this, Jacob Bernard Doctor? Yeah. So 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 yeah. So with regards <laughs> to JBD, I was just gonna say, yeah. Get in line, man. A lot it happens to everybody, and and I can tell you, dozens of players I've played with that is it it has happened to. Whether it's a puck or a stick, it's just part of the game. It sucks. Uh, by the way, he did return and played Saturday, so good for him. So good for the, him. Good for I, him. I would be out for three years. There's no chance of <laughs> coming back anytime. Yeah, nothing's soon. nothing's touching that pretty face of yours, Walter. No, no, you do not touch the face of you in the media. Okay, uh, let's get into the sense <laughs> stuff now. Here we go. Uh, sure. I'm going to start off with the big one. Sense biggest story of the season, Matt. Um, I give, I'm going to give you a couple of options, and you can go off the board if you wish, probably because you haven't looked at the rundown. So uh, emergence of Tim Stutzla, the NHL response to the Sens COVID, uh, injuries to White, Pinto, Batherson, Norris, Brown, and so on. No fans in the stands, yeah. uh, or you can pick another one. So for my biggest story, uh, the no fans is too easy, and I, I'm not going to go there. I I, I miss it because I've been at the games, right? And it's it's tough. That atmosphere is really hard. And especially if you're yeah. the players where they're going to other – you go to the States or other provinces, there might be some players. You come back, there's no – or excuse me, fans. You come back, there's none there. Uh, but for me, I'm going to go with Tim Stutzla because typically um, as a sophomore, you come, you come back into the NHL. We all know how that works. A lot of players tend to struggle. They don't play very well, whether it's their second year or third year back, you know, coming in and – um, he's taking another step forward. So for me, um, that's a huge, huge plus and a huge, um, a huge bonus that you have with this group. Because for you know, you're looking at all the responsibility that he's taken in, having to play on that second line, and now of course being elevated to the top line. And he's playing terrific hockey, Wally. I mean, he looks great. He's so dynamic that you could make an argument that he may end up as your as your number one center over the next couple of years because he's got a Whoa. little bit more creativity, okay. if you will. And I know that's an argument. And I'm, you guys know, I'm always all about Josh Norris because I love how he plays both ways. But Josh, if Tim Stutzler can take that step, now all of a sudden you've got an excellent two-way forward in Josh Norris on your second line that can also be used to match up against other teams' top lines like they've utilized him up until now. So uh, I'll stick to the point, though. Tim Stutzler has okay. played terrific hockey. He dominates up and down the middle of the ice. That's the biggest thing I notice in his game. Whenever he does get the puck, Coming out of the D zone, he doesn't spit the bit. He doesn't just get rid of it and panics. At that age, as a centerman in the NHL, speaks volumes to where he possible, to, I should say, to where his ceiling could be. And I'm a big fan of where his game's at now. He's going to make some mistakes. 
no problem. But sure. he's so responsible with the puck. So yeah, that's he's my guy. Okay. Here's uh it's not a bad bad idea. The issue is uh Shane Pinto. So we thought coming into this year, Shane Pinto would be the easy number two center on this team, and they were now solid at one two, right? And that Tim Stutz yeah. would stay on the wing for a bit. There was obviously talk about moving him, and a lot of obviously fans wanted to move to the to the middle. Now, is it not only is it Shane Pinto is the third line center at the moment? It would appear, but as you just brought up, is Tim Stutzle your number one center next year, or does it still remain Josh Norris? And I'll throw the caveat because Batherson and Kachuk play so well with Josh Norris in the middle. Well, at some point, that's a great question. And it's a bit, you could stump me pretty easily with that one, but I'm going to try to do a little <laughs> bit of mental gymnastics to get around it. Okay. So Batherson oh doesn't necessarily yeah. need to be on your top line. I mean, if, sure. if anything as of late, as of any indication, you know, prior to his injury, of course, of where they potentially can be placed, I don't mind him on that second line. Imagine, so imagine you've got Brady, maybe Stutzler. Okay, but who's the winger? Yeah, I know. That's the question. That's a hole. Maybe that's a hole that you need to fill. Maybe you have to go after a top six guy. Maybe what that top six guy's in the system you and you don't want... know it yet. I know. Well, I know. What... But, but this is this is so you, this is you can't there's put no, a... there's no go ahead. Go ahead. You can't put a 30 goal scorer on the second line for the Ottawa Center. I agree. And I'm hey, saying I'm, I'm saying just... Drake Batherson's a 30 goal scorer. And I and I know that's yes. not he's not, but he's on pace. What's well okay, so what are we so what are we talking about here? Are we talking about Shane Pinto now or Drake Batherson? Like Shane Pinto, for me, yeah, he, you can easily like he's still young and, and he can play two ways. He's pretty responsible defensively as well. So that's a guy yeah. that I'm not too concerned with, at least for the time being. As long as he's playing more than ten minutes a night, I'm okay with him being on that third line. Like he's your third line okay, center so going into next season, no problem. Then is Josh Norris your second line center? The start of next I think year. that I think that position is up for grabs. I also think that DJ Smith has to have conversations. This is something that a lot of people don't know that when you're having your end of the year meetings, typically, especially for the players that play a little more, have a little more responsibility, the leaders, they're going to be in those rooms with the general manager, with the coach, with the assistant coaches, having long discussions and meetings about what's you know what you're going to look forward to next year. So it's up to them to have these discussions, talk about who they're comfortable playing with, pick the players' brains a little bit, talk to Brady, see what Brady's saying, see what he, if he has any, you know, any idea of what he would like to do for next season. If he sees that maybe, maybe you do slide Drake down, or maybe he wants to keep that whole line together. I mean, those are all questions you have to have. But you can make an argument that Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk, and Drake Batherson all remain together. I'd be okay with that because they're terrific as a line, as we've seen now. They've developed tons of chemistry. And yeah, for the time being, slide Tim Stutzler down to that second line center. That's that's okay. As long as you've got players that can complement him and that have the ability to finish on his wings, or at least on one of those wings, that's the key. It's like you don't want to take away from his, his production by putting him with two shutdown guys. So maybe that's where a guy like Nick Paul and Josh Brown, or Josh Brown, where Nick Paul and Connor Brown do slide down to a third line, which is typically where they probably belong on a really good team as your shutdown yeah. shut guys. And then your top two lines are your point production players. So, but those are still holes, right? So this is always fluid and I hate deflecting. I like to be very direct, but there's no clear cut answer here because this, this roster is still yes, not is. completed. 
No, there isn't. Because, yes, going into next year, Josh Norris is your number one center because he's proven it time and time again. Yes. He can handle the workload. We agree he there. He can handle the defensive assignments, and he's put up the yeah. points consistently. That's not against Tim Stutzla. I'm just saying no. I want that guy, the most responsible guy okay. I can think of, as my number one center. Right. Okay. But we agree there. I'm not disagreeing with that. All I'm saying is that Tim Stutzla is, if you're watching him play, he's got this, he's got that it factor, right? Where he can make something yeah. from nothing and he's sure. a little more dynamic offensively. At least you, at least, yeah, at least he's kind of leading me to believe that based off of what I'm seeing. And you see the yeah. glimpses happening out there where like he'll evade like two guys, one with a toe drag, the other under a stick, like that that's creativity that you can't really teach. So I feel like his ceiling is a little higher than than Josh Norris, but that's not a slight at Josh Norris. He's a terrific player, arguably an all-star in the future. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if Tim Stutzla ends up as your number one center in a couple seasons. That's all I'm trying to get across. Okay. Fair enough. I want uh last question, because I we're, I don't know, 25 minutes behind where we should be. Is uh <laughs> can you live as a defenseman? So you're playing on the Ottawa Senators at the moment. Can you live with Tim Stutzla? Yeah. He makes more defensive errors because he's trying mm. to generate more offensively. Does he though? Does he? I mean, I, I I'd have to look yes. at okay. I now what you are saying is completely valid because there there are occasionally like the egregious mistake that everyone kind of focuses in on. Um, the same yeah. can be said to a degree with Branstrom, and especially when you're really paying attention. But I don't know that he's as defensive a liability as we all seem to believe he is. Or rather, I don't. I shouldn't put that in people's okay. mouths because maybe there are a lot of people that disagree with that. But but I think if you pay attention yeah. to him now, he's starting to figure it out a little bit more. I don't think he's as poor defensive. I have to see the numbers. God, I hate making these assumptions without backing it up with facts. But I, I really yeah. believe. Yeah. He's not as bad defensively as we seem to think he is. He's getting a lot better. His improvement has really kind of skyrocketed over the last like month and a half, I want to say. Uh, yeah, and I agree with you on Tim Stutz. We always pick out the parts where the glaring errors because those are the yeah. highlights. Those are the ones that you end up yeah. on the sports center that you see all the time. Uh, by the way, Colin White's name is not on that center list. Uh, we have not ruled him out as a center, but we will get to that later in the show. Uh, speaking yeah. of which, Colin White's set to return. Uh, there's lots of guys starting to return, which bodes well for the end, how this team may finish the season. Uh, tonight, you're expected to see Connor Brown, Nikita Zaitsev, uh, Dylan Gambrell all returning. Colin White says he's going to come back at the end of this month, around February 26th, he's hoping, um, as shoulder yeah. surgeries are miserable for this team. The other one is Drake yeah. Batherson. Uh, I'm just going to go off script here for a sec. Drake spoke today uh, talking about he's hoping six to eight weeks that he's going to be back before the uh, start of April, he's hoping, to the end of March, maybe 15 games. Pretty upbeat. Uh, that bodes well for how this team may finish out if they can get everybody healthy. I know we won't see Shane Pinto for the last couple of games. And then you're at the end, you're not going to see a real Shane Pinto because he hasn't played all year. He's just going to be there going through the motions, for lack of a better term. Correct. But yeah. it does bode well for the end of this season to see the final month maybe shape up. Yeah, I mean, well, this team needs it right now, Wally. Like, these reinforcements are yeah. huge. It, but it, Funny, though. Well, it's not funny, but seeing some of these shoulder injuries, I don't know what the hell's going on there. But in any case, yeah. uh, Colin, White is in, Colin White's intriguing to me. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that. But, but overall, seeing some of these guys return tonight is big because even a player like yeah. Connor Brown, I mean, I think we all know now, or I think people are starting to realize how important he is in this group, especially when you have a, a group of young players 
players like the Ottawa Senators have. You need those stabilizing presence, that uh, stabilizing presence in the locker room, and and not just from guys that are raw raw guys, but don't necessarily play big minutes. The nice thing about a player like Connor Brown is he is a veteran in this team, and he, he does have a lot of responsibility and plays a big role. So he can lead by example. He's not necessarily a guy I don't believe at least that is yelling and screaming at players between periods. He seems very reserved and quiet, but having those guys yeah. are, are, are crucial. It, they're like just stabilizers that all the young guys are sitting on the bench. You're always watching his habits. You're always paying attention to how he's playing. So yeah, they, they need these guys, but I mean, really this is an opportunity I think for the organization to pay good attention and close attention to the core guys. Like I'm not, I'm not even concerned about wins right now at this point. Yeah. You want them to win. And that's going to happen if they're doing the right things, which DJ, I got to commend him. I mean, with the group that he's had this season, he's been able to to make some stuff happen and kind of keep them afloat. It hasn't been a, a disaster, if you will, because they've been playing good hockey. I know it's not necessarily showing up on the on the, the stat sheets every night, Wally, but they're, they're, they're competitive with the good teams, which is very promising. And, you know, at this point, like I said, I'm just paying attention to the core guys. Even Matt Murray, I know he's yeah. not young, but... I want to see them just play consistent. I just want to see more consistency from the group, and it'll give people a lot more hope for next season. I should also point out Josh Brown says he's hoping to be back in a couple of weeks. They they knew it wasn't going to be as serious as the other shoulder injuries. Uh, there is no surgery, so it's now just time to heal. So Wait, uh, look for him Brown? in a couple of weeks. Josh Norris, I apologize. Josh Norris, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was yeah. I'm like, oh, there must be an injury. Josh yeah, okay. Norris is everywhere yeah. today. Or Josh Brown is everywhere in this show today. Yeah, um, I know. There's uh, a question from Ninja, uh, and so I wanna, I'm want i going to ask you this. Uh, is there any reason to let guys like Norris and Batherson play in March, April uh, when we know the team's not going to play and make the playoffs and they're not going to be 100%? Is it, should you just shut them down for the year? Now, Norris is different because it's just two weeks from now. But let's say Batherson, the last 15 games. Oh, that's a tough one. Here's So question. before you say that, here's I'm going to tell you, it's the players who want to be in because of contracts. They want to be in to show that they can put up numbers and put up points because the next time they go, and I know Batherson's is a long ways away, but they get to negotiate contracts based off points and based off games played and all that stuff. The players want to be the ones that play. Well, it's, to the, it's, it's almost under any circumstance, it's always to your advantage to get back into the lineup, like immediately, whenever you can. Obviously you wanna be healthy, yeah. but it, it does nobody any good, specifically the individual that chooses not to, when they opt out of playing and decide, well, I'm not quite 100%, I think I'm, that's not good. It's, it doesn't send the right message to the organization and the fans and all that stuff. People want people pay to watch you play, right? And if you're healthy, you should be playing. Yep. And if you're at 85%, 90% maybe, you should be playing. But obviously, this isn't black or white. Like you need to make sure that there's no chance of you, you know, re-injuring the said area that so, whatever happened, right? So there's a fine line. I, I don't have a clear cut answer so let, to that. Uh, yeah. That's a tough question. Shane Pinto, right? Should maybe not have been in the lineup earlier this year when he re-injured his shoulder the second time and then now he's yeah. out for months but we don't know but that's but we don't know the details right like we don't know the conversations right. maybe maybe when they were assessing him and he was and he's showing them in the back room he's moving his arm around maybe things look fine and then all of a sudden it's one of those freak accidents where he goes back out and re-injures it right so i can say that the team doesn't want that and this team has an incredibly um 
intelligent, professional medical staff. So that to me yeah. would have been a one-off because I've been there. I know what they're like and I can compare them to other organizations. Ottawa is first class when it comes to that. So the Pinto thing is a really good point though. You can't ignore it, but I, I think it's an outlier. I wouldn't lump that in with all these other circumstances. So if you're able to play and there's still maybe two or three weeks left in the season, I would say play. Uh, Ash doesn't like my comment on Tim Stutzla saying uh, that he analytically is the best forward defensively on the team. So let ah, me put this to you this way, there Matt. There you go. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you one question on this. Do you want Tim Stutzla killing penalties for you? No. Okay. We're moving on. Uh, Colin. White. Okay. Whoa, 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 uh, this whoa, is... whoa, whoa. Was that like a mic drop moment <laughs> for you? No, I just, uh, listen, you can, this isn't an analytics debate, but you can tell me players do certain things. I can tell you, Nick Paul is the best passer on the team. That doesn't mean every outlet is going to hit a t hit on tape the next time out. So my point is yeah. just because analytics says okay. he's the best defensive forward, there's no one in that organization that's going to say Tim Stutzler is our best defensive forward. No, I, okay. And you know what? That's a really good point. And I think, again, I have a hard time understanding the analytics, so I got to be careful here. But I think a lot of that too is just his ability to get clean exits because he's so skilled. So he's not spending a ton of time defensively, but you're right. If they're short banned, would you have them out there kill killing a penalty? No. Based off of what that's... I've seen, no, obviously not. But that's different because it's positional and you need practice. So fair enough. It's kind of disingenuous, saying... but but I agree with you. I do agree with you. He doesn't look at his defensive zone faceoffs. I'm not sure he's taking a whole lot. So no, fair enough. That's all I'm trying to yeah. get at. Uh, Colin White okay. is an interesting uh, player for me. So he's going to come back into the lineup. He's going to have to have a place to play. Uh, he just turned 25, three more years at 4.75. Is he a buyout? <sighs> Do you try and trade him? Do you let him play? Now, um, goals per game among active players since 2017-18, so it's a minimum 100 games played on the team. Uh, Brady Kachuk at 0.31. Drake Batherson's 0.28. Connor Brown is 0.27. And Colin White's fourth at 0.17. We always seem to like want to write Colin White off. I think he has a place on this team. His contract maybe not what everybody wants it to be, but it doesn't hurt this franchise when you're just trying to be at the cap floor anyway. Yeah, and like, so where does he fit? Like, where does he fit in the lineup? That's well, we'll get to that at the end of the show. Well, we're that's on page no, five, no, no. Matthew. We'll we're wait. Page two. No, that's but, fair. No, but, but I, this leads, but this, but it's a, it's a legitimate question because if we're talking about Colin White and you're asking me, well, you know, where do you see him fitting, or you know, are you looking forward to him? Of course, I'm looking forward to him coming back. I love Whitey. I think he's a great guy, and the team loves him too, and that's huge. You know, we've had guys, I've had players like that that I played with. I mean, another random player that I can mention was a guy like Casper's Dogovins. You know, like wasn't necessarily a game breaker on our team by any means, but well liked. And it brought the mood up in the room, right? And you can think, well, okay, but you need to be able to perform. And I'm agreeing with that. Yes. But I don't necessarily believe that he's a liability on the ice. I'd like to see more production from him. So, I'd like to see Colin White play with a little bit more bite. I'm not talking about fighting. I just mean being harder on pucks, more competitive. Uh, but, you know, he's been hurt quite a bit. So it's hard. It's I don't want to be unfair to Colin White. I want to be fair here. And I don't know what the okay, right here's answer the is. Argument. I need to see him play, Wally. I need to see him play. I just have 
just okay. So my only question for you at the moment right now is, do you want him on the roster or not? Like, is do you want him moved or to yes. play? Is I just want to. Well, okay. So if there's if if I have two options and one of them is to move him at the trade deadline, or the other is to keep him and obviously have him in the lineup. I don't know what the right answer is. I would say, <laughs> I would say keep him. I would say, I will. I would say keep them only because, first of all, I don't think you're going to be able to move them. Not right now. So that's realistic. And the players like them. They they just love them. So there's got to be something we're missing. And I, I've met Whitey. He's a beauty. Really nice kid. Doesn't have a negative bone in his body. I, I, I'm a firm believer in having that the, those types of people, that kind of character in your locker room. So I got you got to make room for them. Whether that be to move you somebody else here. And then I'm sure they will. And they're going to have opportunity. There's going to be teams looking for some veterans to, to, to add depth. So maybe a player yeah. like Tierney's gone. I mean, I don't know. Okay. Uh, all that coming up on page five, which will never see the light of day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're still building a show. And speaking of building, um, this part of the show brought to you by BEI, Bonisher Excavating, Inc., Bonisher Excavating, uh, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. They specialize in excavation, grading, Drainage projects, also equipment rentals, aggregate and topsoil sales. Visit BonisherExcavating.com. Okay, Matt. Um, yeah. Brady Kachuk goes into tonight's game on a 12-game goalless drought, a career high. I noticed something the other day on a photo that was taken in the locker room, and I Whoa. think this probably explains. Now, uh, you tell me now. Uh, DJ Smith said that Connor, or sorry, that Brady Kachuk was banged up. Look at his left oh, looks... hand and the tape job. Oh, it's right? his... It's his index finger. It's his index finger. So yeah. what is going on? As a guy that's been in many locker rooms and seen plenty of injuries, give it to me. Yeah. Uh, the way it's wrapped, so when you get a wrap like that, typically you'll see these types of wraps on thumbs, uh, and that's from jamming it. So when you, when you sprain your thumb, usually that's when it gets hyperextended back from either grabbing somebody or trying to push somebody. I've done that a lot. Based the way I played with my free hand, my left hand, when I was defending guys, I'd do a lot of pushing, uh, which explains why my shoulder is brutal right now. But but that would sprain your finger. So with Brady right there, yep. that could be a sprained finger from one of his one of his scraps or tangling up with another guy, and that can seriously affect your shot or anything you're trying to do with the stick. So if that's if that's creating discomfort, not that we're trying to give bring up excuses. For, for Brady, but but really, that might be a legitimate one. That's a good eye by you, Wally. I didn't even notice that, but it looks like it's his index. It looks like it's wrapped so that it's supported by the rest of his uh, his wrist, so yeah. it locks it down a little bit better. I would say that's probably from a finger sprain of some sort, which would, might explain at least part of why he's in a bit of a drought right now. And then, of course, he's been missing some of his top teammates or line mates. That's huge, too. But yeah, that's, that's yeah. significant, and that might explain some of the the, the the drought that he's in and let's point out that he is missing two-thirds of the top line in josh norris and drake batherson uh alex can you pull yeah. out on that picture a bit show me tim stutzla because his hand is ripped uh oh it's taped as well but you can't see it in that one but you often see the wrists are taped that wasn't as big a deal yeah. to me as i saw with the brady kachuk hand one right like you see lots of the only yeah. reason this stood out is because of the way that this hand is taped it's a whole lot different than the usual oh no yeah no no that's 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 legit i'm at that's it's good that you brought it up because that is a legitimate injury 
whatever he's fighting yeah. with right now, it's it's obviously significant enough that they had to wrap. Like no no player will just randomly wrap their finger like that. You know, like that yeah. that alone. Even if you're healthy, let's assume his fingers are healthy and you decided to wrap your finger like that. That alone will affect you with handling the puck because everything's all of a sudden tighter and locked in a little bit more. So he's obviously dealing with something. Taping your wrists is very common. I used to do that all the time when I would jam it. Players jam their wrists yeah. all the time when they're you run into a player, you hit the wall awkwardly, all of a sudden you got bad wrist pain. So pressure around that helps, but I can't believe we're breaking this down, but it's actually pretty good. But yeah, the finger thing, that could be a significant issue and I would pay attention to that. And that's probably a reason why he's not scoring right now. Uh, I, I don't mean to bring up your finger issue, but it just happens to be like when you taped <laughs> yours, I, I, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. You actually had to tape your two fingers together if i'm not mistaken right like how did you yeah, they had to build handle so how did you handle your hand issue well let me tell you so <laughs> uh going into so when i came back there's a few weeks left before the, the 2017 run so what they did was they tape up my glove so i almost had like a ninja turtle looking hand so they put my pinky finger and my ring finger they cut a hole in the glove on both sides on the inside and fused them together so my glove was altered and they added all kinds of extra protection around the hand, which didn't really do much, but at least mentally it kind of gives you that comfort. Yeah. And then of course they tape your, they tape my two fingers up. Like if people paid attention to the way I was playing, like even in the first round against Boston, like every time I received a pass or tried to make a pass or let alone take a shot, the pain that I would feel run up my yeah. arm was excruciating. And then it got better as as like a month went on and whatever, but it was it was terrible. Oh my god, yeah. So, uh, but was it not frozen? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they they would they were injecting me as well. Yes, but the injections weren't but doing so, a whole lot. Like there was the, the pain really? was so intense, man. Like yeah, it was it was bad, and it would run up because because like you're you're <laughs> the the tip of your fingers like almost gone right, and this whole time it was black. And it was flat. Like it looked like someone just kind of chopped off the top. Even after they re, uh, they, I do they, remember re seeing that. they reattached it, it didn't look normal at all. And they're, you know, the saying was like, well, there's risk. You might lose it. And I'm not trying to act like I'm some, some war hero. I mean, there's, there are, there's yeah. much worse out there that people go through. I'm acknowledging this, but as far as hockey goes, it's not typically something that you expect to happen. Right. So uh, the pain was bad. Yeah. I was sleeping like the, for, for two months, I was sleeping with my hand on my chest. It was brutal. And like the, the pulsating, always Tylenol, Advil, ty every night, like there's a lot anyway, but I'm not looking for sympathy. L That's just the way it was. No, no, but lucky um, that you never really handled the puck very well to begin with. So no one really knew that you Thank couldn't you. handle it. No, it's, I agree. I agree. It was like a hot potato. Every time I had it on my stick, <laughs> Eric, where are you? Eric, like, all I do is <laughs> Carl, Carl, hey, hey, Matt, I'm here. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Alex, so there's no real surprises, I don't think, at the top of the Sens leaderboard in scoring, except one guy. And that guy is Alex Formanton, who, by the way, people forget, I think it was this year, uh, led the Sens in preseason, or is it last year, preseason scoring. The guy has been able to put up numbers, is my point. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's fourth He's fourth on the team in goals with nine. Uh, looks to become just the fourth player to hit double digits in goals this season. There's, uh, he is UFA, which we'll probably get to, I and mean, we should probably maybe just get to it now. Well, what and, do you and Wally, think his numbers of, are even is, more is Alex Formanton compressed. Yeah. Well, 
right? And so is Alex Formanton a legit top six forward? I think he is. I really, I would, I would have said no at the start of the season. I still had my doubts there even a month ago. Um, but the way and, and confidence is a funny thing, right? Like when you see a player like him, yeah. all of a sudden figure things out and the lights start going off here and there, and you're thinking, okay, I'm better than that guy. I'm also better than that guy. Like you start having these internal discussions with yourself as a player, and you you start because you're always paying attention to other teams. You're paying attention to the, the team you're playing against that night, and you're seeing maybe a first or second line winger, and you're trying to compare yourself. I did that all the time as a player, and um, you start understanding and realizing, you know, over time that you were a lot better than you thought you were, and things start to come easy. And he's already got an unbelievable base to work with. I mean, his speed alone makes him so dangerous. All of a sudden, you're starting to see him handle the puck with a little bit more confidence. He's hanging on to them a little bit more. You're seeing him shoot a little bit more. Um, so he's one of those guys that has really sort of taken a, a step forward in light of all the injuries and taken advantage of the opportunity yeah. that he's been given, right? So I, I'm, a, I'm just such a big fan of his because he's so competitive. I love his compete level. He, he just seems oh, like he's got fine. a bit of an edge. He's got a bit of an edge to his game, you know, and... It's not like I'm not, and I always say these things, I'm not implying fighting or anything like that. I just like to see that aggressive, on-puck urgency. You know, he, he he's not wasting time. You can tell that he doesn't like getting pushed around. He doesn't like getting a shot in the back of the legs. He's going to give one back to you. Uh, those are things that I look for because the compete level shows your passion and your your enthusiasm for the game. And, and those are the guys that have long careers. So I, I think for me, with him, um, I love where he's at now. I want to just... Pay attention to where his game's at and watch him progress because he's he's really kind of I think he's well, he's creating problems for the organization now. Right now they're thinking, okay, do we get rid of a certain player because Forms is taking a step forward? Maybe this guy's expendable now, and that's that's what happens when you see players elevate their games, particularly in a rebuild style season like this. Um, hot lunch. That question is coming. He wants to know, uh, can you guys estimate Formington's next contract? I will get to that in a sec when we discuss Ooh. our UFAs. That's page That's page four, by the way. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, Brady, just to point out, uh, Brady, Kachuk, Josh Norris, and Drake Batherson, that line right now um, accounts for 39.4% of the goals scored. Um, I thought it was 43 higher. of 109 okay, so They've goals. gone down a bit. Well, the issue is with Brady not scoring lately and with the injuries, other guys have stepped up of late, right? It used to be a lot higher. They need to math. find a second line. And I know, yeah, math isn't your uh, strong suit. Is They need to find somebody to play on that second line, right? They need to find a winger so that the workload gets a little more dispersed. Yeah, and we're seeing players step up. I mean, we saw Tyler Ennis. I mean, I, I'm I'm so impressed with his play lately, uh, by the way. And yeah. that's a potential. I know we were talking about it prior to the show a little bit to share with the fans. Like, he's a guy that potentially can get moved here too, right? He's on a one-year deal. He's playing very good hockey right now. All of a sudden, teams are paying attention. Maybe they're looking for some depth scoring on a third, fourth-line role. He's the perfect player for that. So it depends on what Ottawa wants to do. But, but that aside... You're right. This creates issues. I still think there's a hole. I, this is no news to anybody that Ottawa needs a top four defenseman and a top six forward. A lot of teams need these things. So that's not a slight at management or coaching or anything. It's just, it's a hole that they have, Wally, and they need to address it if they want to take that step forward. Maybe you find the solution internally. Defensively, you could say, make that argument with, with uh, 
Clevin, maybe that's in two years, but Sanderson coming up this season potentially. You know, but up front, I don't see anything right now. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, well, then we'll get to the back end right now, and that is discussing the defense, sure. which is the last topic on page three, just so everybody's following <laughs> along at home. Uh, okay, so, like, we know Thomas Shabbat is obviously the number one D. I still don't yeah. know who his partner is. Um, Nobody now does. that we keep saying we've we've seen now that Nick Holden and Zub are the de facto shutdown pair and they sit at that second grouping. There is no spot to put Zaitsev, Zaitsev except either next to Shabbat or not in the lineup. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. And then you've got Josh Brown, uh, who moved from center earlier in the show. He's now playing defense to somebody on yeah. his uh, side that I don't know who that necessarily is. So where do you see this D shaping up? I, it's got to be Shabbat Zaitsev, Holden and Zub, and then I guess it's Brandstrom with Brown. Yeah, I keep looking at my sheet here as if it's going to speak to me or something, and it's just not saying anything, Wally. I, I, I know. Holden and Zub. I Holden and Zub have been terrific together, and I'm still in a belief that you need a legitimate shutdown pairing. You know, Eric and I were, were lucky enough to, to do some of that because Eric was just such a fantastic and dynamic player that he could play any way you wanted. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Holden and Zub, I wouldn't break that up. They finally have two guys that are reliable and they can shut down. And, and I'd like to see that pairing evolve moving forward. Who plays with Shabbat? Well, the question becomes, where does Zaitsev fit into all this? You either commit to him and he's your guy. Or he's not, and you have a four and a half million dollar defenseman in purgatory on your team that you don't know what to do with. So, you well, know, he can he can sit I, with the two I, million dollar defenseman that's currently in purgatory. Well, yeah, and I'm yeah, exactly. So <laughs> there's no know, way they're paying no, but, six million dollars to sit out. No, no, and and I would love. Okay, I'll I'll just say this right now, and I was a little hard on Zaitsev at the start of the season and and last year. Yeah. Um, I would like to see Nikita Zaitsev work with Shabbat. Because at least with Zaitsev, you know, we were talking about, again, maybe we'll just, Josh, can you play Josh Brown with, with Thomas Shabbat? Obviously, that does not work because Brown isn't used to playing 25 minutes a night. Zaitsev can log those minutes. So I would love if somebody could just calm Zaitsev down. Like, just calm his game down. Don't do too much. Yeah. You know, like, when I watch him play, sure. the effort is there. You know, he's really trying really hard, and sometimes that's too much. You got to just kind of dial your playback a little bit and just just play to your partner. You know, if you're if you're a complimentary defenseman, like maybe a little more like I was, you got to cater to that offensive guy more. You, that's your job. You're getting paid big money to make sure that that offensive player can do his job. So if you're Zaitsev, just just simplify. You know, look for look for Shabbat as much as you can because. Play the numbers. Shabby's ability to make a better outlet play in the neutral zone or defensively is going to be greater than yours. So, you know, I'm not saying that you have to completely cater your game to your partner, but I'd like to see him do that. Does that really answer any of our questions right now? Probably not. But yep. as it stands, yeah, yeah. I, as I, it stands, yeah. And and then I guess in, in closing, that bottom pair is just a revolving door. There's no right answer right now. You could say, well, I'd like to see Thompson. Well, you can't play Branstrom and Thompson together. I'm sorry, people. That doesn't work. Thompson is not a big human being. He's a lot smaller than I think many people seem to believe. You need a little bit of size. You can't have two small guys back there 
trying to defend against heavy lines on third and fourth line players, right? It just doesn't work. I'm sorry. So I, I don't know. What do you do? I don't know what to I, do. They've got a lot of, well, they, they have a lot of the same. They have JBD, who yes. is a little stronger, I know, but they got JBD, Thompson, uh, Mete, um, you know, like a lot of these players Brandstrom. are very similar two-way style guys that aren't necessarily imposing players. Brandstrom. Like, I just, I don't see it. Branstrom, you are not playing with Shabbat. That does not work. I'm sorry, people. Okay, I watched. So I was there live. You got to have this building. discussion. They're not, okay. No, keep going because people continue to say, well, it's fun to watch Branstrom because he moves the puck up, but it's there, there's no defense necessarily being played. I don't like the pair together. The problem? You're the professional the, defenseman. You tell me why this doesn't work. Branstrom is really good with the puck, with time. I love his outlet passes. When he's got the play on a neutral zone transition uh, where he's just inside mm -hmm. his own blue line and he finds a guy up the middle or whatever, on, and, and he breaks guys out proper, he's very good at that. His mistakes defensively, and I think a lot of it is just size, they're egregious. They end up in the back of the net. I used to make some mistakes, but I was able to cover up for it. You know, I was able to um, kind of recover, if you will. So if a guy was coming down the wall, I could physically take him out of the play, move him out of play. I didn't have to worry about him. But when you're a smaller defenseman, you have to challenge yourself more uh, defensively in net front. You can't, you have to understand that, okay, I'm not probably going to be able to box this player out. I got to front the shot. Well, last game, I think it was, Branstrom tried fronting a shot. The puck got by him. And was it, uh, which player was it? Oliver Wallstrom, I think it was, was all alone at net front. No one was there because Branstrom was caught out trying to block the shot. Whereas a defensive defenseman typically will box that player out. So anyway, this isn't me shitting on Branstrom. I'm just saying, if you're going to no, play Branstrom, have a player compliment him. Have a player like, I don't know why Hetherington's not in there right now. I love Hetherington's game. He can play. He can move the puck. He's going to make some mistakes. He's not sexy, but that's the kind of guy you want to watch play with a player like, like Eric Branstrom. So... These are players that I'm looking at, but I know the ins and outs of a locker room and the business side of it. And when you've got a bunch of guys on one-way deals, players like Hetherington get pushed to the side. That's just the way it works. I got pushed and to the side a lot my first few years playing. And I knew I was better than four of the defensemen, but I never got an opportunity. And, and that's not just me saying, oh, I should have been there. I know I was better than some of them because I was practicing every day with them, but I didn't have my one-way deal. So those are things, those are obstacles that you kind of have to work around. So, yeah, I mean, for me, best case scenario, your top four is set. You got Zaitsev with Shabbat and you got Holden and Zub. Done. And then you figure out the bottom pair. But right now, you don't have the personnel for it. At one point on Hetherington, I think I, I'm going to make is they're not as invested in Dylan Hetherington as they are in Eric Brandstrom or Josh Brown, right? They, they've gone out to get these players to play in their lineup not Dylan, Dylan Hetherington. He's been brought in as a depth guy. I agree. That plays a part, yeah. right? And you know they want to invest in the guys that they draft for or whatever. That plays a political sure. part, if you will, in who Well, yeah, because you have – yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. So the dynamic with the general manager and the coaches and the scouts, they're always pushing for their guys. That's just the way it is. So if I'm a GM yeah. and I go out and pick – and this isn't me picking on Pierre right now. Like this is just any general manager – if I'm a general manager and I go out and bring in a player like a Del Zotto or uh, a Tyler Ennis or anybody, I'm going to push for that player. I'm going to make sure that he gets every opportunity to figure it out so that I look good for bringing him in. I know this isn't news for many, but it might be for some. So the same applies to coaches. Like I know DJ 
Like, wasn't jo- wasn't Josh Brown DJ's guy in junior? Wasn't he his captain for the Windsor yes. Spitfires? Captain, I believe he yeah. was. So, yeah. so, so, and I'm not saying that that Josh Brown doesn't belong in the lineup. When Josh Brown plays simple and isn't a liability defensively, he's effective because he is kind of tough. He's got a good stick, but you know that's the mistakes, right? And the defensive mistakes yeah. speak volumes when you're a third line defensive defenseman. You shouldn't be making them. So anyway, I think if you get past the politics. Things kind of sort itself out, but they've got some serious work to do this summer, and I don't envy the job. Uh, I forgot something, and since while we're on defense, uh, this will have to get added to page three, is uh, we joked the other day when um, Thomas Shabbat hit Connor Brown and broke his jaw with a puck in warm-up, and I said to you, what should he get him? You're like, nothing. Well, and apparently he did get him something, uh, and it was a yeah. Louis Vuitton bag. Like The price has certainly gone up these days. <laughs> okay, I feel like I need to clarify my thought process. So my my reasoning in the moment was I'm thinking, okay, this isn't a game. It went off a post, hit him in the jaw. It was an accident. But upon further review with the details that I have now that I was obviously not privy to before, I didn't realize it happened in warmups. That's different. I still think that a bag is probably okay. I mean, a Rolex watch would be excessive. But, you know, a Louis Vuitton bag for a guy that makes six and a half million, seven, whatever it is, I can understand that. And it's a nice gesture. It's basically saying, hey, man, I'm acknowledging that I screwed your job. Here's a little token of appreciation for, you know, still being nice to me. Yeah. Listen, uh, by the way, did you miss any games when you had a broken jaw? Oh, yeah. Well, mine was broken in two spots. So I had it dislocated here and I had a huge fracture down the middle. So it was displaced. I had to miss... I was wired shut, so my okay. mouth was legitimately wired teeth on te- tooth on tooth for about six weeks. So I was, you know, there's no way I could play through that. And then, and no. then I finally go ahead. I was just going to say Connor Brown plays in the whole game, scores a goal, and now he's out for week. I think he should still be playing. Yeah, well, that was different, right? Because I think he fractured it in one spot, so that's a little more contained and it's less of a hazard. Because uh, when I when I, like even after two months, two or three months, I I that summer I didn't play the rest of the season in Columbus because there was like twenty games left. It was two months, no, month and a half. But you went to the world the world champion. I went to the world championships, but that gave me a bigger window, right? And I had to wear even then at three and a half months yeah. or three months, whatever it was, I still had to wear a full fishbowl. So you know, it just yeah. depends on the type of break. Mine was a mandibular fracture, which means two spots, and it wasn't pleasant. Of course. Yeah, no, I'm I'm yeah. all up on the jaw terminology. Is did you keep the fishbowl <laughs> part? Yeah, like did you? I have is it. it, it still is has, it in the meth it museum? It still has all the European. It has the European like <laughs> like uh, stickers all over the ads. You know, like the, yeah. the World Championship double yeah. IHF Zepter. ads. Um, yeah, that's what it is. It's Zepter across the the, the front. Yeah. I still have it in the back. Yep. Okay, we'll look for that. I don't know. Maybe I don't... another meth I can wear it next episode. Uh, we'll have to yeah, wear it. I can do it. It's an it's okay. a it's a gimmick. Right. I'll do um, it. I'm I'm skipping I'm skipping the goalie section because it's just pointless at this point. Um, I agree. I'm getting to the free agents. So here we go. Uh, UFAs. What are we going to do here? Um, Tierney, Sanford, Paul, Ennis, uh, Josh Brown, Forsberg, Scott Sabrin. Which ones are you keeping that's on this roster next? Who are we going to see in the lineup next year that's on this roster? Well, the name that stands out is 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 uh nick paul i mean that's a no-brainer i know that's not exciting probably but 
I don't know what he's asking for. I can't speak to that. But I mean, you're obviously looking at a significant raise. He's looking to get paid, um, you know, for his services. And I mean, it's going to be over two million. It's got to be year, three for three. Yeah. I well, I don't know. Maybe I'd say shy. DJ of three. Uh, Pierre Dorian called him a disciple and gave him every possible positive that's reinforcement be, that's going to cost him if they start negotiating. And that's why you got to be careful when you're complimenting your players because that gets used yep. against you in a negotiation. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, I, I'm looking I at, think he gets, for me and Nick Paul, I say between two and a half and three for three years. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Do you think he does the charity endeavor if he doesn't think he's being re-signed? Because it's late in the year oh, that's... when you're starting the charity endeavor and now... You think you well, might I, get moved like three weeks later? So, so my last year, my last year in so when I was in Columbus, I used to go to libraries and read books like for the for kids, and I had a special book reading program, and and I forget what we had it, but but in turn, you get like a big picture in the building at the top, and it'll say like Mets friends or whatever, like a lot of players do. I don't know if they do that. They don't, I don't think they do that in Ottawa, but in any case, I think I donated. I think it was for the first season. That's right after I signed my new deal. I donated 13 grand American to the cause uh, for that season, which was to me at the time was a lot of money. And I got traded like two months later. So, um, you know, I didn't ask for a refund. You know, I didn't, that would be insane. I would never do that. So I think, I think, Alexi I think when you're, what, <laughs> okay, well, I didn't know that. But when you pledge <laughs> something to a cause, when you're committed, you stay committed. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, and I, I'm sure Nick Paul feels the same way. So, you know, it's this is just the way it works. And yeah, okay, maybe maybe if you said you were going to commit a box or a suite to, to a cause for the next five or six years and you get traded immediately, that might be something yeah. you could argue. Uh, but but something like Nick Paul right now with the fantastic stuff that he's been doing, I can imagine he'll stick with it. Yeah, uh, but but for Nick, anyway, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> I just think for Nick Paul, maybe if he wants to go to a Stanley Cup winner, right? Like he. Like maybe to try yeah. to see if the grass is greener. Uh, I would hope that you would have called your book tour something like methodology or something a little more than went to the book library and read some books. Well, I'm I trying just, to think. And it's funny because Alex, Alex just texted me and asked me about the uh, Carlson and the uh, Dim My Light campaign that he had. I'm wondering if he continued that. That's a good question. I don't know the answer to it. Do you know? I don't think so. Bobby Ryan's kids didn't continue uh wade reddens i don't think uh but bobby but see box. and bobby that's an example that i used earlier with with the suite right like that's different you can't yeah. expect a player to keep buying a suite for a couple seasons when you're playing on another team right like yeah so there's got to yeah. be a bit of like again it's not black or white it depends on what you're committed to and, and all that so anyway yep okay um so is is if we can put the board back up, Alex, is Nick Paul the only one that you are going to re-sign I mean, as a UFA? Josh Brown? It depends on the yeah, it depends on the numbers. Like, I don't know. Like, okay, okay. Brown, I'll put it to you this way. Brown, then. Brown's a tough Who do you one. want ahead, yeah. back? Who do you want back then? Oh like I I liked Sanford's play lately. I thought he's been pretty good. Yeah. But then this is just elevated play from players that sometimes players just seem to do that when other players are injured. So, you know, like Tyler Ennis was a guy that I really like having in the lineup because I'm, I'm partial yeah. to the vets because I think there's a place for them. You don't want to litter your lineup yeah. with them. But if you could sign a player like Tyler Ennis to another year deal, which I'm sure he won't take, um, you know, there's an argument there. Cause I like the way I like what he brings to the team. And like, I'm always thinking, yeah. I, I don't look at the numbers and that's why, 
my my take might be completely off because I don't I you know I and I know Simmer has always said always take picks and I agree with Sean when he says that but at the same time you know I I don't like screwing with the dynamic of a locker room so I, I'd like to think you know look what happened after 2017 a bunch of us got moved and it just screwed everything up so you know like yeah, I'm basing but there's my a few other issues. My, yeah, okay, fair enough. But I'm just talking about the on ice play, like from from you know, from looking yep. at it from the okay. you know a fan's perspective. But yeah, man, and and like Forsberg, do you resign him? Probably not. You know, like these, or maybe you do. Like I, I don't know the answer to that because I just I yeah. for me in a perfect world I would make some big changes, but I just don't know the numbers game as well as some others might. So. Anton Forsberg's last seven games, one four and one, a two seven four, and nine ten goals against average. Uh, right? Philip Gustafson's and, and last four that, starts, he's zero and four with a five goals against and an right. eight fifty four save percentage. Do you want Philip Gustafson now as your is as your backup goalie? I'm not sure. But it's it's been flip flopping. It's been flip flopping all year. At one point, what was yep. it? November, December? Yep. I don't even remember. We were just, all fawning over just Forsberg. Said, don't take guys like, so, out. Yeah. Yeah, like we don't, there we was, don't, we like we don't know what. There's no right answer here because we're not getting enough consistency. So I don't, I can't commit to one guy. I, right now, if you're going to ask me about the goalie situation, play Matt yeah. Murray. Just play him, play him, play him a ton. I want, I, I want to totally see him find his consistency, and he's been playing great lately. That's good. Continue that. That's what this team needs. So here's something I was told never to talk about. Uh, Matt Murray, mm. when they signed him, said. It was dis the organization discussed it was going to take 18 months to turn his game around. And we're basically at 18 months and we're seeing his Who game right now at 4 0 and 6. Who said that? Well, I can't tell you. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't know it was like some insider stuff. Yeah. Forgive me, Wally. Forgive me. You're getting all the inside can't, scoops. Can't Listen, it doesn't matter. The point is, you're right. He's turned his game around at 18 months. So there you go. Whoever said that to you is very smart. Uh, okay, uh, RFAs. This is the interest. Now we're into the interesting discussion of money, right? Norris, <sighs> Formanton, Branstrom, Gambrell, Gaudet, Bishop, Mete. Whoo! That's that's where the money is going to get spent. Well, let's right? okay. Formanton, let's focus Norris, on a couple Brandstrom. guys. Yeah. So right. let's so, focus on yeah, Norris, so Formanton, and Branstrom. Yeah. So okay, what um, are you going you know, to with, give with, Josh Norris? He's getting north of six million. I mean, are you kidding me? Look at his numbers. I mean, if if he's got any, if he's got some, it could be it could be Saul from Breaking Bad as his agent. You can argue it easily at that point. Like, there's no question he's worth like <laughs> come on, look at his numbers. I, yeah, like so, it could have, it could be some second rate uh, lawyer. He's still going to get that. And I mean, and and it also comes down to the individual. So let's let's. I want to preface this with. It comes down to the player. Like some players rattle easily during negotiations and will cave. Some players stand their ground, like Brady Kachuk, as we all saw, that are confident and they know what they're worth. So, you know, for for a player like Norris, easily over six million, I think. Um, Formanton, what do I have him here? Yeah, I mean, Formanton might be similar to Nick Paul. Maybe they're different players, but might just maybe just shy of three million. Maybe I mean you're gonna sign them. You got to commit. This is this is the risk involved when you try to lock down players before they reach their full potential. Otherwise, you're you're pooched, and you're looking at a player making an astronomical mo amount more down the road. So, okay, you look like you want to interject there. I'll let you interject on Formanton. 
Oh, Wally, I think your mic's out, bud. There you go. Okay. I don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, you're good. You're back. So it's okay. It's all good. Um, pretty soon your methanet's going to have to can't pop out here because I, I don't know what's going on. So Colin White and Alex Formanton are the same type to me. They had to give Colin White are more money. Are you kidding they, me? Hang on, hang on a sec. Just let me finish. They had to give Colin White more money at the time because they wanted to prove the players were going to stay in Ottawa. Because you remember back then, there was this like, nobody wants to sign here. So they signed Shabbat to that monster deal, followed by Colin White, which they way overpaid, but they had to. Alex Formanton may get overpaid because of the skill set he comes with. And he's right in that range of, do we pay a little bit more now to get him cheaper later? I think he's one of those guys. I think he's Well, it depends how they the view him. Exactly, but then he—that—that's where the negotiation comes from. But he's got to be after yeah. three and a half. Yeah, yeah, three. Three is a safe number if you give him enough term. Like if you dangle a carrot right. in front of him of maybe four years, like that was yeah. my first deal. So when I when I got out of my two year, my first deal was two years at a million each year in Columbus, coming out of my entry level, and then that second. So my second. I guess this would have been my third contract was the deal that I'd signed with Columbus that carried over in Ottawa, which was three years, 4 million. So when they dangled that one in front of me, like my agent would argue with me that I won't, that I should be making more, but when you're coming off a deal of one and a half, like forms right now or whatever it is, and you see that, that those dollar signs, it can be very tempting and you might settle. I still think Formanton, yep. if this play is in fact where he's at now, if this is really him and it's not just some, anomaly where he's happening to put away some points i'd be comfortable giving him three million over maybe four years because he's a freak of nature he takes very good care of himself you know you're going to get longevity out of him the term matters if you can give him some term and he's comfortable with it i would do it but again i'm not a numbers guy like some some analytical nerd can pop on right now and correct me and i'll have sure. to take it because i don't know the numbers you know no i get that but i think three million on your third line isn't an atrocious dollar amount whatsoever. No, uh, well, no, no. And, and Chris and, Tierney is, and, and it's not just a third line guy. Like he's, as we know, he's a guy that can play. He's a guy that can play on a second line as well. So to to to, to pigeonhole him as a third line forward isn't. It might be a little disingenuous. I'll just say that. I think potential yep. there as a second line player as well. Yeah. Uh, okay, we are on page five, by the way. So and this is the last topic we have. Actually, there's two. Page five. Um, yeah. It's page, so if you want to skip to page five, uh, that would be your meth classes when you're reading at the library. Go to mm. this. I want you to project, project or predict. This is the last game of the season this year. Everybody's healthy. I want to know what your lineup looks like. And that means if Jake Sanderson's done at the NCAA, he can come in. Anybody that's anywhere, you bring him in. Obviously not Ridley Gregg or someone in the NCAA, or sorry, a junior. Who, what is on your roster? Show me your lineup. Do we have that board? Can we pull up that board? There we go. Um, thank you guys. Okay. Yeah. So, so I don't mind, obviously always fluid Wally, right? As I said earlier, which is a really good excuse if I'm wrong. Um, I don't. I know people are going to hate me, especially for the decor there. Brown is an exception. That guy, you can move him in and out. I don't know where else to put anybody else. You're not moving Zaitsev. You're certainly not going to play Sanderson on the right side with Shabbat. Maybe at some point, based off of his play, but right now as it stands, 
I'm not bringing uh, a, an NCAA hockey player straight out of college and playing him on a top pairing. I want to give him a chance to get his feet wet, play some easier minutes, see what the game's like, and then make an adjustment. But if it's the last game of the season, for me, that forward group, again, White, well, you could put an asterisk right there, Wally. I, I don't know that that's set in stone either. But I do like the top two lines. I like where they're at. You could maybe interchange the odd player, but for the most part, and this was you. I put Kastelik there because of you. I know that you're big <laughs> on him as a, as a fourth-line center, and I have been watching him. I just haven't seen him play enough. So I'd like to see him play more, but I love the potential. The raw it's, potential is there with him. It's not, it's not necessarily me. I just get a sense from the organization that that guy – is earning a spot quicker than we yeah. think he is. Oh, and yeah. So I think they want to see it. I agree. Right? So and, Dylan and, and he's got pedigree and in the Gaudet, family, right? Yeah. And right. And and again, he's someone they tr they signed, drafted. He gets higher billing than Gaudet and Gambrell for the simple fact of that reason. But I, I've liked Dylan Correct. Gambrell's game, no question. Maybe those two get moved. I have no idea. I just think if it's the last game of the season, he gets rewarded in that lineup. Now the Sanderson yeah. one is interesting to me because he no question he's in the lineup, but is he going to get treated like are we going to see that perhaps he's not ready to play in the National Hockey League? We keep saying he's a top 4 D man already in the NHL. Maybe, but yeah. the chances are a lot less than they are that they he's going to be a top 4 D man. Sure. It's not you yeah, just yeah, don't yeah. step into the greatest league in the world and dominate. It's rare. No. Yeah, so that's 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 why I've got him on that third pairing. Would I like a better D partner for him? Yes. You're not going to play him with Brandstrom. You're not going to play him with Thompson. Well, maybe there's an argument to be made that you put Lassie Thompson there, but but I'd like someone stable. I'd like to see a veteran, you a veteran there yeah. with him. That's yeah. yeah, you need a veteran of some sort. Is Josh Brown the right guy long term? As it stands right now, I'm not convinced. Um, I'm trying to be fair here. Nope. I don't want to be too critical. But if it's the last game of this season, I would just put him with Sanderson because he's tough. He can back him up if he needs to because, you know, Sanderson's a highly touted prospect. You don't want to see any teams taking liberties on him in some meaningless game at the end of the season. So I don't mind having a player like Brown paired up with him that'll give him the puck and cater to him a little bit. And then up front, I mean, I like do you, I, if Colin White can play, and he comes back, and he's a bit of an impact player. I don't mind that third line either. Like up front, you're looking at Nick Paul, Shane Pinto, like and potentially line. Colin White. I don't mind that. But it yeah. comes down to production and and chemistry with these guys. So this is all – it's all great to play these games and look at these lineups potentially. But really, you know, you'll never know until you try it out there and see what their chemistry is like. But uh, fourth yeah. line, I like it. A good gritty fourth line there. And Watson, as we all know, has been very dependable this season. He puts his body on the line. I've liked Sanford's game as of late. He's actually been really impressing me. And Kasselik, I, I got to see more of him. But for, as it stands, this is my lineup. Okay. I just want to prove that uh, officially I've written number five on the page. So we do know it's page five. <laughs> uh, and Fair enough. Last Fair question. Enough. Uh, okay. So it's the end of the season, Meth. You know about packing up locker room day. Usually you're hungover because you've had a party the night before uh, and you guys all come in hungover. Um, oh, God, yeah. Which player is the first guy to hit the vacation destination once the season is done? Which Ottawa senator is maxing and relaxing with pina coladas on the beach? Is it Tim Stutzla, Brady Kachuk, 
Josh Norris or Artem Zub? I don't know if Josh Norris knows how to relax, so I'm going to keep him out of the equation. I think Josh Norris is more like me, where he's probably going to be in the gym. Um, Zub is probably some international spy, so he'll probably be back on detail in Russia. Uh, Kachuk, maybe, maybe, yeah, but still, like for me, I just know like the Europeans always left right away. They were gone. Like they can't wait yeah. to go home. They love where they, they like, I know Tim Stutzel loves playing in Ottawa. Don't get me wrong, but you got to think like a young guy, young man turning 20, his family's all, and buddies are all back overseas. He can't wait to get back over there. But it's funny. You mentioned the end of the year meetings, Wally. There's always a couple guys that everybody is responsible for making sure they show up that following morning after the night out on the town at the end of the season. We always had a few of them like Smitty, Zach Smith was one of them where like probably one of the more likable players on the entire team, but just couldn't get out of bed if he was hung over. Right. So guys like Smitty, we'd have to call someone might even have to drive to his house. Like where's Smitty? And I look back and I, I know I've talked about this before, but it was always such a big deal for no reason. Like, I don't know why it was such a big deal that if a guy was hurting a little in the morning, he had to be at the rink. Oh my God. The general manager, (laughs) the coaches, they're going to see him. Who gives a shit? You know, the season's over. So, you know, if guys are going to blow off a little steam for a night, so be it. And, and if they're not there first thing in the morning to have a meeting with the coach or the GM, which half the time was enough was bullshit. Anyway, it's like not a big deal. So, um, but there were always those guys. It was always such a hoot in the room, Wally, because, I mean, you guys know, I'm sure you've seen it where you can see the players kind of scrambling, like trying to call guys. We look stressed. And then the player walks into the rink all disheveled, maybe sweating a little, has a little bit of gloss on his forehead. Oh, yeah. and, you know, you heads, heads above. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so yeah, that was, we remember, always had fun with that. I don't, I don't know who, if I, sh- I won't say names, but I can remember one guy he had like the dry lips, like everything about him was just like, I just need to get through this interview. And so I yeah. he's like, how do I yeah. look? I'm like, don't worry. I will take care of you. This is be simple and quick. And we'll, he's like, okay, just, just help me out here. And I, that's happened a few times yeah. where guys. Yeah, sure. So those are the ones you always want to request to come out for the interviews. Cause you just want to see them have to painfully try and get through it. That's oh, the best. I don't blame you. Yeah, I agree. There's I only agree. been a couple so those of those are, there's been a couple of guys that not show up. Tom Barrasso was one. Um, I think Marion Gabrick was, there was someone like Marion Gabrick and it may not have been him. I don't want to say names, well, but guys that just like, I'm not showing up. It doesn't matter. Alexi. Yash, those are the best ones. Those are the best ones. The, the high profile guys. Cause you know, yeah. it's fun. Cause you know, the coaches aren't going to do anything about it. So, so typically when like a big dog shows up late or something, the coach has got to tiptoe around it a little bit and be like, okay, fine. It's not a big deal. But when the plugger shows up late, it's a big deal. Everyone's kind of getting after him. So it's funny to see the dynamic between different players. Everyone's treated a yeah. little bit differently when it comes to the status on a team. And then you see the guys taking stuff and like, it's like they're cleaning out the hotel lobby or the hotel. The hoarders. Stuff you get the coffee. The tape. Yeah. So so the tape and the big buckets used to have a bubba, hubba bubba gum. Do you remember those? The tubs. Yeah, but they players had, like players were taking that. Jesus, that's oh, low. Yeah. Leave the yeah. bu- leave the gum they're, alone. They're... <laughs> I used to love it. It was so good to watch and see yeah. who was taking it. Um, okay, yeah. one more question we got in the chat before I let you go, and that's the. T- Do you remember the Tyler Clevin hit from this weekend? Uh, yeah, I saw it. North Open Dakota. ice hit in the middle around the blue line. Yeah, he crushed yeah. that guy. Um, Devastating. Your thoughts on that play? I love it. 
I, that, I that's mean, what, yeah. That's what that's what this team needs right now. And I'm not saying the big open ice hits, but like that physical presence on the back end. And um, you know, you can't speed up uh, you can't speed up a player's progression. You know, especially a young defenseman, as we all know, it can in fact kind of go backwards if you try to speed him up too quickly or bring him up too fast. So they're going to have to be very careful with this one. I haven't seen Tyler Clevin play in person, so I can't give you some BS um, description of his play or assessment. I want to see what he can bring to the table. Obviously, I'll be paying attention. Is he going to be in training camp next year, Wally? Do we know the answer to that? Off the top of my head, I don't know the answer. I, I because yes. I don't – yeah, sorry. I'm putting you on the spot. I just know with the NCAA guys, typically they can lose that eligibility, right? I think he's got one more long. year. Yeah. Okay. So, depending right, on what have he an decides. Agent. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll they, see. But, but they the, hit, the hit – Yeah, the they hit was really advisors. good. They're the advisors, yeah. I, I like the hit. I like the open ice hit. I want to see more of that. But, again, way too soon and too early to give you a real honest assessment of his play. I just I just know that everyone's excited to have him here on board. He's got some uh, he's got some bite, though. I like the bite he's got to him. It's that kind of Mark Borvietsky-type bite where I will take Agreed. your head off any chance I can. Which so affects so how you play. that's going to be that's going to be the adjustment for him, though. Like, I, like is he – like, is Mark – Mark Borvietsky can chuck him, you know, and, and if you're going to be running right. around like that, you're going to be, you got to be prepared to pay the piper. And I can tell you, it's a sobering thing when you go pro, like it happened to me in, in, uh, in Syracuse. I started running around still like I did in London. And all of a sudden there are these men that are coming after you and they're going to make you pay the price for it. Now the NHL is a lot different now than it used to be, but that's the thing that can kind of take away from your physicality. So hopefully it doesn't, it doesn't suck that out of his game too much and that he can defend himself. Uh, because fighting typically doesn't hurt. Worst case scenario, if you're strong enough, you can wrestle a player down to the ice. No blood on the water. But it can definitely take away from your bite, if you will, if that's what you want to call it. Because yeah. when you know that there's a guy like Brady Kachuk or uh, you know Austin Watson on the other end of the ice that's going to make you answer for it, it can take that away. I don't keep repeating myself. But that's something that I'm going to be paying attention to no. when Clevin makes the jump to pro. But the big difference, Meth, and is speed. Right, like you can make that in Huge. junior or in college because the player, yeah. the talent level is not even remotely close. So, right, That's lining up guys, and we, it's the same thing for the Connor Bernard play that we talked about off the top of the show. Is yeah. you can you get those plays because your talent level is so much better. But in the NHL, that yes. speed they're coming down the wing at, and you're trying to run them, you better be right because yeah. they're a little bit smarter yeah, so, sometimes. Well, and that's and that's the difference. So a lot of the players. Uh, like your forwards that you're playing against at the NHL level, their heads are up. So when you're handling the puck and you're going through the neutral zone, do you think their heads are buried between their legs? Absolutely not. They're prepared for that. So that's, but that's, that doesn't mean anything. You, you know, as a defenseman, you're still going to be able to land those big open ice hits. That's still going to come, but maybe not at the same frequency that we've seen with these guys down there. Cause I know what that was like playing it, playing in junior. My last year, junior, I think I was like 220 pounds and I could move pretty well. So I was, you know, I was destroying players. But then I made the jump. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, boy, I can't do this anymore. It's a little different. So you have to try to evolve your game a little bit more. I had to focus more on good puck movement. You know, those are the things that kind of allowed me to make the next step. So that's something that Tyler Clevin's going to have to figure out. But he's in a really good program. Not surprised if he does quickly. Speaking of really good program, that's our show. Good stuff, Wally. Well, <laughs> hopefully everybody enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't care if you did. Um, 
Anyway, it's over. Okay. Uh, so thanks for watching. Oh, uh, wait, the wait, Thought Show brought wait. to you by sportsinteraction.com. What? Wally, I think Craig wants to hop on really quickly. He wanted to uh, say something. So let's bring Craig on. Craig, can you pop hey on? There you are, buddy. I do. I do. We had a couple of people in the chat ask for uh -oh. it, and Alex and I dug it up uh, from All-Star Weekend. Uh, there's a bit of a highlight going around that includes an Ottawa senator that is not Brady Kachuk. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, uh, but Gritty. Gritty and Sparty hooked up in the, uh, in the oh, no. I think it was, I think it's like oh, no, ball, but he's it? behind the net, throws it out and Gritty just powers it top corner. So I wanted to get Very you guys nice. thoughts on this play, stick drop. I think it's broom. Are they playing broom ball? Like they don't look I don't like know sticks. What I see a guy out there with an actual broom. <laughs> oh my God. Look at the contact. What yeah, a shot. Yeah, but look at Sparty. Sparty with a wow. beautiful pass. That is, that is cocky. I like that. I a little bit of arrogance, you know? Yeah, I oh, like nice it. Nice shot. So okay. anyways, yeah, the Ottawa Senators were well represented at All-Star Weekend. I just wanted to pop in here and show you guys that because it's kind of making wow. rounds on love the it. internet. And, love yeah, it. Not so bad. Tre Trevor Zegris-esque, I think. So not so bad. Not so bad. Okay, that was it. <laughs> Bonus <know>. coverage. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It wasn't on any page. I think that we'll call that page six. Page six. Page Sounds six. Good. So there you go. All right, guys. Okay. Yeah. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for watching this one. That's the Wally Mathod Show, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 